today we continue to hear the stories of the church experiencing the power and the presence of the risen Christ. Today our story comes to us from the sixth chapter and seventh and eighth chapters of the book of Acts. Now, in those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Greeks complained to the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve called together the whole community of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on the tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. What the disciples said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. They had these stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands upon them. And the word of God continued to spread. The number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Stephen, full of grace and power, did wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the gathering of the freedmen, as it was called, Cyrenians and Alexandrians and others of those who were from Cilicia and Asia, stood up and argued with Stephen that they could not withstand the wisdom of the spirit with which he spoke. Then they secretly instigated some to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people as well as the elders and the scribes. Then they suddenly confronted him, seized him, and brought him before the council. And they set false witnesses who said, this man never stops saying things against our holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and will change the customs of Moses handed down to us. And all who sat in the council looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And then the high priest asked Stephen, are these things true? But when they heard Stephen's answer, they became enraged and ground their teeth at him. Filled with the Holy Spirit, though, Stephen gazed into heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and said, Look, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But the crowd covered their ears, and with a loud shout, they all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man, named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he died. 
May God bless our hearing and our understanding of these words to us today. Now, even when we are all in one room, hearing one person read one story, we nevertheless all hear a different story. We all hear a different story because we each view the story through the lens of our own history. We each hear the story through the filter of our own experiences. These lenses and these filters experience which voices in the story we hear the loudest, which plot twists surprise us the most, and which words really challenge us. So I admit that when I hear this story, I hear it through the filters of a church leader, a veteran of not a few church conflicts, but also someone who's seen unexpected signs and wonders among God's people. So I will share with you this morning some of what I heard in this text, in this story. Scene one. Um, Peter, this is Andrew. Can I come in? Um, well, we just got another note from someone who's upset about the distribution. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's the third one this morning. Okay, Andrew. What does it say? <clears throat> Dear Apostle Peter, I'm not sure if you are aware that when the food supplies were passed out to the widows and the orphans this morning, the supplies ran out before they got to the last three tables. And as it happens, those were the tables where most of the Greek-speaking widows and their children were sitting. They got almost nothing. I, won't I wouldn't bother you about this, except this is the third time this has happened. I really must demand that you do something to make sure this injustice does not continue. Thanks. Okay, I don't really have time for this. I'm a, I'm a preacher, I'm not a logistics expert. Well, what if we recruit a few people who are good at that kind of thing and put them in charge? That is an outstanding idea. Let's do it at our next Sunday gathering and we should really make sure that most of them are Greek speaking. Scene two. So, Andrew, how are our new servers doing? What it was that we decided to call them again? Deacons. We thought, you know, we'd choose a Greek word since it was the Greeks who've been asking for this. So, you know, diakonos, one who serves. Clever. But is it working? Are the distributions of food going more smoothly now? Has everyone calmed down? Um, not exactly. What do you mean, not exactly? Well, some of the deacons are taking this way beyond the daily distribution of food. They didn't want to just pass out food. Take Stephen, for example. He started going into the homes of the people who get the food. He really wants to know about their lives. And you know what he figured out? He learned that most of them can't afford a doctor when they're sick. He learned that a lot of the widows actually have property or money owed to them, but they don't have anyone to advocate for them before the judge to make sure that justice gets done. 
He's really throwing himself into it. He's doing healing prayer. He goes with them to court. He started reading scriptures with them. I mean, none of us apostles have been doing that yet. I mean, not with the widows and the orphans. It's just, it's exploded. It's way bigger than anything we imagined. Really? Stephen? Huh. I always kind of thought of him as a pretty boring guy. To be honest, he's got, what, he has some kind of business, right? Yeah, yeah, he's got that little olive press about halfway between here and Emmaus. Yeah, that's what I mean. So not exactly a radical zealot. I know, but somehow being a deacon has really lit some kind of fire under him. Fire, huh. Interesting, kind of like what happened to us in that upper room a few weeks back. Right? And Stephen wasn't even there then, was he? No, he wasn't. Huh. Interesting. Hmm. Scene three. Peter, Peter, they've taken Stephen. What? Taken? Who? Taken him where? Oh, you know who. The old guard. The ones who were always nervous about anyone who's stirring things up. <laughs> And Stephen has certainly been stirring things up. I mean, here's the thing. The old guard, they don't go after the zealots so much anymore. They figure everybody knows they're crazy. Nobody takes them seriously. But when a normal, average guy like Simon or like Stephen lights up and starts agitating, then they get worried, especially if the people start gathering around him. They've trumped up all kinds of charges against Stephen, saying he's blaspheming, saying, saying things against Moses. It sounds like, I mean, it reminds me of, well, you know what it reminds me of. And they're dragging Stephen before the council this afternoon, too. Ugh. What are we going to do, Peter? I don't know. I don't know. I just hope Stephen keeps his head down and his mouth shut. Right, Peter, is that what you would do? No, I did that once. Well, three times, actually. No, that's not what I would do. Well, then, it's just that I feel responsible. Deciding to have deacons be in charge of the food distribution, that was our idea. If we hadn't chosen him, if we hadn't called him to this work, he would still be happily running his olive press out in the suburbs. Peter, that fire burning in Stephen, it didn't come from you. I know. I know. Let's go. We're going to need to be there for him. Scene four. It was just like it was with Jesus. The lies, the mob, the killing, even Stephen's last words were just like his. Lord, don't hold their sins against them. God, receive my spirit. It was like Jesus was with us again, reminding us, showing us the way, just in case we'd forgotten. You know, Peter, it's bad. They're going to come after all of us now. I know. I know they will. 
Tell the people to get out of town if they can. Scatter, just go. Go to the disciples in the towns and the villages outside Jerusalem. They'll take them in. Go to, go to Judea, go to Samaria, go anywhere. Just, just go. Huh. You know, Peter, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Funny? I mean, isn't that just what Jesus said? Oh, yeah. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's a long way, right? So we should get going. Amen.